Building Zimbabwe's Future is an FYI talk show. The views and opinions expressed on the show are the views and opinions of the guests who made them and not necessarily the views and opinion of Muzinda Hub. Today is Wednesday, 25 June 2014. Welcome to episode 8 of Building Zimbabwe's Future. We're a weekly show where we discuss the people, the ideas, and the projects that we think are going to shape the future of Zimbabwe and are in some way developing Zimbabwe's startup ecosystem. Joining me for the first time in the history of this show, I'm glad to have Christian Naika as my co-host. Welcome, Christian, and thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Tawanda. It's a privilege to be here with you. Our guest today is Verengai Mapika. Verengai, rather than introduce you, uh, can you please tell us about yourself and what you do? Thank you very much, Tawanda. And, uh... Should I say good evening to our listeners? Yeah, I guess we might as well say oh, good evening. Okay. Yeah, so uh, my name is Verengai Mabika. an entrepreneur based in Zimbabwe, and um, my focus area is climate change and um, ICTs. I developed um, a climate change um, innovative uh, capacity building initiative uh, through my organization called Development Reality Institute. I don't know. Okay. Uh, you are also the guy who started the Internet Society in Zimbabwe, right? No, okay. I'm currently the president of Internet Society Zimbabwe chapter. I didn't start it. It's, it's just, it was a collective action. Uh, myself and other colleagues from the uh, ICT industry, members from Internet Service Providers, members from the academia, members from the government. So I'm just the chair. and. Uh, my term is actually expired in very soon. So. And you're uh, also a Ashoka fellow. Certainly. Tell yes. us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, Ashoka is, um, is, is, is uh, the leading um, social entrepreneurship organization that supports uh, the concept of social innovation and social enterprise in the world. Uh, this organization also um, then identifies. Um, what they see as brilliant ideas uh, moving towards that direction of um, you know, solving some of our world um, challenges and in the process they support uh, these fellows with tools, with um, support systems, institutional funding um, as well as uh, some technical support just to get those ideas off the ground and I'm, I'm quite glad to be part of Ashoka and uh, it's been very fundamental I mean, extraordinary experience. It seems you've got your fingers in many pies. Not really, it's just that um, I'm just passionate uh, in uh, using technologies in solving you know, the development challenges we have today and uh, my focus has just been to use those tools and um, also because my, my primary focus is young people and I understand that they are mostly, they mostly understand these tools and are highly using them. And um, most of the activities that my organization is doing actually put, uh, puts um, most of the, okay, most of the uh, uh, tools that we use are ICT based and my organization actually put uh, ICT is at the center of uh, most of our work. And now you're a Washington Fellow on the Young African Leaders Initiative. What's that all about? 
quite, a, quite an interesting um, experience again. This is a new initiative that um, was launched in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, by um, uh, the US President Barack Obama. Um, and the intention was basically to support uh, the upcoming African young leaders with um, a bit of uh, American experience as well as just to get them to a wider network of, 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 of professionals and people that can steer their ideas you know, beyond um, the spaces that they are currently working on. Uh, okay, uh, now I would like to let our listeners know a little bit about all the initiatives that are involved in. Let's start with the Climate Change Initiative. Yes, the Climate Change um, Initiative that we are currently implementing is an innovative and catalytic um, capacity building um, program. I think you might have heard uh, many times um, a statement that says Africa is resource rich but capacity poor and our um, effort is really just to create the next um, generation of um, young entrepreneurs who can deal effectively with uh, climate change. Uh, so the idea is to get them to understand the dynamics of climate change in simple terms, using simple platforms that they understand. And in the process, um, we use uh, a four-thronged approach where we have developed a climate change virtual school, which is a dedicated uh, climate change online school, actually the first of its kind in Africa, and currently has uh, participants from... The first of its kind in Africa? Mm. Yes, certainly, it's uh, the first of its kind in Africa. It has eight hours to its name, and uh, one of the most most prest prestigious award we had was the UN-related um, uh, World Summit Award in 2010. Now, um, you know, how do you respond to, to critics who might say, you know, we're from Africa, we've got real problems, why are you bothering with this climate change stuff? Certainly, this has been uh, the case, particularly for most of African states, you find governments uh, quite uh, you know, they're quite um, concentrating their efforts in, 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 in um, either politics, the economy, but uh, climate change has an effect in all those uh, sectors. Maybe just to give you a little bit of statistics, we, we, we now have evidence, uh, proven evidence, which uh, shows us that in the next uh, eight years, which is in, in, in um, 2022, uh, about 500 million people in Africa will be affected, particularly those that rely heavily on agriculture, which is mostly the mainstay of uh, most of our African communities. And this is going to be more, uh, the effect is going to be very harsh on um, these communities that rely uh, on, on, on uh, rain fed agriculture. So we are likely to see agriculture being reduced by up to 50%. And this is going to have an effect on employment, an effect on loss of biodiversity, as well as just the general food security of the continent. Speaking of evidence, any reputable scientist will tell you today that we have empirical evidence that it is four and a half billion years old. And for the past four and a half billion years, it has survived many disasters, stuff such as continental drifts, uh, volcanic eruptions. Uh, ice ages and, uh, and, and somehow it seems to recover from all of this. One can argue that nature is a self collective system. Is it our place to deal with these climate change issues or shall we let uh, Mother Nature 
take care of them as she has done for the past three and a half million years? Um, I would say, well, um, the issue with climate change, the effects that we are currently having, which is unlike uh, many of those billion years, which uh, of course I am I'm really not uh, very sure of, um, is that the, the effects that we are currently having are human induced. So it is, it's, it's actually human activities that have uh, sort of um, exacerbated most of the effects that we currently have. And uh, things like, like industrialization, our consumption um, levels, um, as well as our use uh, of, of, of energy. So it is in, we, we, we sort of have the right to deal with these issues uh, as, as humanity and also to pass to the next generation um, a, 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 a habitable environment. And certainly a, we need to take um, active action, and, I mean serious action, and uh, find uh, effective, uh, adaptive and, and mitigatory uh, ways to do with climate change. Are you saying that this is obviously a, a man-made um, disaster or potential disaster and um, so it needs to have a man-driven solution, human-driven solution? Um, are, we, are, are you saying that we're risking our very survival on this planet if we don't action Soon. Certainly, right, Chris. Um, we, there is evidence that uh, climate change happens naturally, whether humanity, I mean, humans, uh, human beings are there or not. But um, over the past uh, few decades, um, the human activities have actually led to most of to, to, to the serious um, temperature rises that we are currently facing, and it is it is certainly within our right to deal with this issue and find you know, effective and lasting solutions to deal with climate change. And um, as I mentioned, my, our, our ideas are basically to motivate and encourage the young, the young generation to understand the dynamics of climate change and also start to behave differently from the current generation. Um, I was brought up uh, believing that uh you don't inherit the planet from your parents, you borrow it from your children. Is that um, at the premise of what you're trying to teach your young learners as well? Exactly, exactly our point. Our, our vision is really to see young people who can uh, you know, pass a, a habitable environment to, their, to the next generation. If from what we've seen, and uh, you, you can agree with me that most of the World challenges we have today, whether they are in, in the environmental sector or politics and, and, and economics, is actually things that have been done by probably this current generation or maybe our elders. Okay, very guys, so you've got a, a virtual school which teaches people about climate change. How does that how does that directly combat climate change? I mean, you train me for a few weeks, then what? So the, this program works in this way. Um, after participants have gone through a, a course, there are best, they, um, quite a number of courses, a basic course that looks at uh, uh, climate change um, in general, looking at the effects, the politics, and the small things that you can do, maybe starting activities on the ground. We also have an interesting component that we call a social innovation grant, where uh, young people that have gone through this course can actually uh, apply to get a small grant of 
5,000 US dollars to start initiatives on the ground. This, this grant, of course, is um, given on a competitive basis, but it's uh, available every year. We give to about um, 15 innovative ideas. And our idea is basically to get them to pre-test their ideas, pilot them, and um, link them to a, a wide range of uh, wide, wide range of, of partners where they can actually upscale those uh, brilliant ideas. So Van Gaia, obviously one of the most powerful tools you've had in, in your uh, climate change school has been the internet. Uh, I believe you've had students from Nigeria and elsewhere in the world. Um, so the, your, your involvement in the internet society, was that a natural place for you to find yourself? Um, certainly, I, I think the, um, the interesting um, linkage has been uh, that um, Africa in general and also Zimbabwe is, um, is, is a hub for, for, for new technologies and um, we, I, I, I saw it quite fit to promote uh, the use of internet for, for, for things that... Uh, <clears throat> I saw it quite fit to promote the use of internet for simple solutions like, um, you know, things that we're talking about now. And uh, Van Gai, um, uh, we come from a continent where um, freedom of speech is not exactly uh, exemplary. Is, uh, is that also part of the Internet Society's uh, agenda? Certainly, Internet Society's agenda is to give the voice to the masses and uh, through the use of uh, these uh, internet tools, um, the idea is really to give um, the public um, power to express uh, their feelings and probably their ideas. And this has had a significant um, impact on the way we, we, we deal with uh, a lot of our development issues. I think um, you might understand that now even a farmer based in a very remote area can actually have access to up-to-date information, relevant information that they need for making decisions and uh, the internet has been quite instrumental in, in, um, in, in, in supporting those, uh, that kind of uh, flow of uh, information. Uh, one example I give a lot is that when I uh, when I was growing up, we had one TV station. Uh, before Joy TV came, I'm sure you remember the days. We had uh, TV One. And, and so we had only a few people at ZBC deciding what content we watched, when we watched it. Uh, and it was crazy. Like, if you missed a program, you've, you've missed a lot. And then fast forward a few years later, we now have the internet and services such as YouTube make everyone a content creator. So now you can be your own TV station without having to go to film school for three years and getting millions of dollars to invest. And uh, it, it has basically given everyone a voice and also empowered everyone to choose which is good content. So you can now, you can now decide which is good content by voting and viewing and uh, uh, it has created opportunities from a lot of people. But the part I like most is that it takes uh, power from these big established cartels and then distributes it to a lot of other people. Certainly, right. And, um, in fact, the role of Internet Society uh, in its vision is to give access to Internet to, uh, to everyone. And uh, 
some of the key activities we are dealing with are issues related to infrastructure, issues related to policy regarding the internet use and the internet policy within the country, and also the governance of the internet, I think, is an up upcoming agent issue that uh, most governments are actually putting their feet in, and um, the internet society is really interested in increasing access to internet in areas where uh, which are hard to reach, remote areas, rural, and um, uh, particularly for Zimbabwe, looking at rural areas. So, uh, very good. Please uh, forgive my ignorance here, but um, the Internet Society, is it uh, an international organization? Does every country have one? The, the, the way the Internet Society is structured is that um, uh, there is, a, of course, an international office which is based in, uh, in the US, but the Internet Society uh, has uh, uh, effectively, um, all countries should have an internet uh, society chapter. In Zimbabwe, is one of the recent um, chapter that was chartered um, quite recently last year in, September, in 2013 in September. And uh, the the role of the internet society is, is the mandate actually comes from its members, and its members are widespread, including the technical side. The internet service providers, organizations dealing with infrastructure, and the general users, I mean people, ordinary people who are just interested in using the internet either for connectivity or for you know, education and that sort. So you guys are an open society? It is certainly an open society and registration is free and we, within a country, uh, the members decide on what activities needs to be done. In Zimbabwe, we've actually prioritized uh, three, uh, our three first activities, one relating to technical, um, another one relating to governance and policy issues, and one that relates to the most important um, aspect of uh, increasing access to hard to reach areas. Okay, one of your mandates is to give people access to internet who don't have internet access now, right? Yes, um, the way we do this is through our member, our membership, and um, as the membership of Internet Society, we actually lobby to those that controls the infrastructure. And these players include, of course, the government and the, the internet service providers that we currently have in the country. And our role as Internet Society is to, you know, lobby and encourage these uh, ISPs. Motivate them to to uh, develop their infrastructure beyond um, the areas they currently have. But one of the thing, one of the important issues, also policy related to internet, because it is within the policy framework that you are able to expand uh, such things as uh, coverage, access, and and and, um, and, and the, our government is quite uh, supportive of uh, um, increasing access. I think the ministry, you might have heard several times, the, the, the Minister of uh, Information Communication Technology uh, talking about uh, giving incentives to some of these companies to, to increase their reach and access to those areas. Do you believe as the Internet Society or in your personal capacity that certain websites with educational value should be zero rated by um, cell phone networks and ISPs? 
Personally, I think that's a brilliant, uh, a brilliant idea, and actually we have seen this uh, in Zimbabwe also uh, quite prominent. I think uh, I'm inside one organization, Econet um, Wireless, that is that that is, is now supporting um, institutions of violin, universities, and colleges, and um, giving them, you know, zero rated to, to access to some of the. Um, educational websites and, and informational uh, databases where students, you know, just like having, uh, where students can actually uh, browse some of these sites for free. Mm. Here is where it beats me. The internet today is mostly running on IPv4, so it cannot accommodate everyone. And I know that the Internet Society has been trying to push IPv6 for about 13 years, and they've been failing. They still face a lot of resistance from ISPs, from uh, device manufacturers, who still support IPv4 and NAT systems. So they provide a lot of resistance to IPv6. And, and I guess it's because to implement, their, to change their NAT systems uh, will cost a lot of money for them to, to do that. But if you succeed in achieving your goal of getting more, of getting everyone connected to the internet, how do you think uh, the internet society is going to solve that problem, where the internet cannot accommodate everyone today? Well, in, in, every, in every transition, there's uh, there are always challenges, and um, looking at uh, the transition from IPv4 to IPv6, there the, um, more complex issues to do with. Um, uh, the, the, the level of infra infrastructure uh, that we need to support those systems, particularly when it comes to the country level. They also need to, you know, look at our policy framework, but uh, certainly that's the direction the world is going. Um, IPv6 is going to be the next platform and um, uh, we are all encouraging the service providers to actually migrate to that, uh, to, that, to that system. And as Internet Society, we've actually uh, got some uh, little funds to, to start the, um, the public awareness that is needed and um, getting all the IP, ISPs into you know, networking platforms where we talk about the challenges they are likely to face in, in this transition. And we are actually planning one of our first meetings in, in the month of August, um, and uh, probably I'll be giving you more information if uh, the hub is interested to follow these this, uh, initiatives. Is there any assistance you want from some of our listeners or to members? How can they get in touch? How can they become members? Or how can they contribute to your cause? To become a member of the Internet Society is pretty simple. You simply go on the Internet Society website. The website is www.internetsociety.org and you, you just register as uh, a member. Once you get registered, membership is free. You, uh, you just, um, once, once your membership is accepted, you then choose a, a chapter and uh, Zimbabwe is actually one of the chartered uh, or registered chapters that you can find on the list. Once you take that option, we will certainly um, get your application to our database and then um, from there on you will get um, communication from our secretary and our, our membership uh, who are in the membership committee.
and how can an average Zimbabwean or a listener of the Building Zimbabwe's future podcast contribute to your course? What we need from all Zimbabweans, it would be very good to have all Zimbabweans being members of internet society because with the, with the, with the, with the broader voice, you also have uh, much broader views and uh, opinions and that's where you get most of the brilliant ideas. And we encourage uh, the listeners and members to join internet society so that all their concerns, if you have an issue that you think is quite um, important to your personal uh, use of the internet, we bring it forth and then uh, the membership looks at how they can do with that effectively. Also, in other words, uh, in other words, I also can contribute to the future of the internet I want to see. Certainly. Today. Certainly the internet has always been an open uh, platform and uh, as the vision of internet society reflects internet for everyone. And uh, please connect for me the uh, freedoms and uh, opportunities that reside within the internet with within what it really means to build a better Zimbabwe. I would say the opportunities are quite uh, many and numerous opportunities relating to just speaking, expressing your, your views and your voice to you know building Zimbabwe. I'll, I'll just mention maybe one particular issue where we are currently talking about Zimasset, which is uh, the national blueprint, and um, most of uh, Zimbabweans may not necessarily know exactly how to contribute to Zimasset, and internet could be one of the such platforms where you know individuals can just uh, bring forth their ideas and also you know uh, push for issues that they really think are important to their lives. Uh, okay, I, since you brought up Zimbabwe, I've got a bunch of issues about Zimbabwe, which I'm going to hold into now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're going to do another episode in the future just on Zimbabwe. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of stuff I, I don't understand. I tried to read the document myself, but I haven't finished it. Uh, one question I could have asked earlier is if I would like to go for your climate change course, uh, for the climate change virtual school. How, uh, how can I improve? What's your selection criteria if there is one? Uh, okay, yeah, about the climate change virtual school, registration is actually quite simple. Our motive is really to get uh, everyone to on the platform and at least learn the basics of climate change. So to register, I simply go on our website, which is www.triafrica.org. On that uh, site, you'll find a link that um, points you to the virtual school where you can take any, of, any course of your choice. We have about five courses that are currently running, a basic course on uh, climate change. Um, and then we also have one that relates mostly with business. We have a climate change in a business course that we are doing in partnership with the Business Council on Sustainable Development. We also have a course on um, um, a climate change um, and, and, and red, red plus for those that uh, wants to get into uh, mitigatory issues using forests. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you, Chris. Chris, do you have any last words for, for our listeners today? Well, my first words will be for our esteemed guest here. Verenga, you're an inspirational young man, and, and, and I think. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that young Africans can, can, can learn from you. 
and, and follow in your, in your footsteps. Um, and um, for, 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 for the listeners of Building Zimbabwe's Future, my message is um, there's, there's, there's young people like Perengai out there that are, that are firmly committed behind, behind the future of that country and as many of us as possible should get behind people like that and, 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 and aspire to be much like them. And build Zimbabwe's future. Any last words for our listeners? Thank you, Chris, for those uh, positive uh, words. Um, um, last words to our listeners, I would say just keep pressing on and uh, we are really behind uh, building Zimbabwe's future. My last words would be to take a page from uh, Christian's book and say uh, we didn't inherit Zimbabwe from our parents, but we borrowed it from our children. Okay, Verengai, Christian, thank you guys for your time. It means a lot to have you guys here. To the listeners, you are the ones who make all this worth it. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, feel free to send an email to kudzai at muzindaumuzihab.com. That's K-U-D-Z-A-I at muzindaumuzihab.com. Thank you, guys.